We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. thank you that you are awesome. We thank you, God, today for your goodness, for your mercy. And God, we just pray that you would be with us through the rest of this message, through the rest of this service, that you would speak to our hearts. And even this week as we endeavor, God, on our home improvement challenge, that God, we would put the effort in to see our home become and be everything that you want it to be. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, what a great day to be in the house today. And I've been loving this series. Anyone been loving this series on I'm a Hypocrite? Cannot believe it is seven. This is the seventh message of this series. For some of you like, man, I thought this was week two. That's because you've missed all the others. So if you've missed, first and foremost, we want to say shame on you. I know some of you have reasons for missing with job commitments. But listen, just because you stayed up too late Saturday evening is not a reason for you to miss church. Just because you're feeling a little bit under the weather is not a reason. Come to the house where we can pray for you and you can be healed. But you need to be in the house. And if you have missed any of these messages, we cannot strongly urge you enough to play catch up. Get the podcast, get the CDs. If you need to order CDs, you can do that at the Connect Zone after church. Get all the information that you need because you need what we have taught. Okay, look at someone around you and say to them these words, Hi! I'm ugly. Okay, I'm a hypocrite. Sorry, come on. Say, hi, I'm ugly. No, I'm a hypocrite. Come on, look him square in the eye and say, I'm a hypocrite. But God hasn't finished with me yet. God, how many are glad that God hasn't finished with you? How many are glad that that God isn't finished with the person you're sitting beside right now? Glad that God hasn't finished with them yet. And that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about that being the focus of our message. Because today we want to talk about getting out of your hole. Getting out of your hole. And realizing that God has an awesome plan for your life. I cannot say that enough. God has an awesome plan and a purpose for your life and for your future. And His plan is not for you to live in a hole. You can say amen. You're going to explain that a little bit later. But we know the definition of hypocrite as, is as follows. What's the definition? It's saying one thing, but yet living another way. That's what a hypocrite is all about. 
And we want to talk today and look at it in slightly a different way because we believe that too many of us are spiritual hypocrites. Meaning what? That we are living a completely different way to the way God's Word says we should. That God says one thing about our life, but the way we live is another. And that is the ultimate hypocrite. Anyone agree with me with that? That we're living against what God's Word says in our lives. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 21. It says, There are many plans in the heart of man, or in man's heart. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a plan for your future. It's not a bad thing to have plans for what you want to do, that you want to be successful, that you want to achieve, that you want to behave yourself. Having the right plans to go on vacation, have a date night with your wife. It's not a bad thing to have plans. But notice the end. It says, nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. Another translation says it like this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. It's the Lord's plan that is the most important plan for each one of your lives. Again, great to have your own plans as long as they are part of His plan. Thank you, Miss Emma. One person agrees with me in the house. It's going to be a long day today. It's great to have your own plans, but we need to make sure that our plans are lining up with God's plans because we just read. What does it say? Our plans are okay, but God's plans will stand. God's plans will succeed. God's plans will prosper. Our plans are just temporary measures. But God's plans are eternal. They'll help us, take us in the right direction in our lives. So let's start off this message this way today. Too many of us are not living in the plan that God has for our lives. Too many of us are not living the plan that God has for our lives. But instead, we are allowing the circumstances and the situations of our life to determine our pathway. Therefore, allowing the wrong things to set the wrong course that will result in a tragedy. Not just us being in the wrong place, but a tragedy that we will find ourselves living in a hole instead of living in the blessings of God. It's time to take down the mask. It's time to stop hiding behind the words, the actions of our life. It's time to get real, to drop the label and see your life become everything God intends it to be. And yes, I'm talking to you today. You may say, well, God's got no plans for my life. Beg to differ. God's got an awesome plan for your life. To see your life blessed and fulfilled in everything that you can do. A hole could also be another way to say a trap. That too many of us need to get out of the trap of the life that we have lived in. And regardless of the specifics, what I've noticed is this. We tend to reduce our dreams and our life's plans down to whatever size of trap or hole that we are in. And then we find we settle there. And then like someone in quicksand, the more we begin to struggle in our own power, 
the deeper we're going to sink down. Anyone remember the story of Br'er Rabbit when he was trying to be trapped by Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox or whoever they were? And the Tar Baby story. Anyone remember the Tar Baby story? I really can't remember the entirety of the story, but I know the main part, and that was this. The trap worked. Because Br'er Rabbit was inquisitive, and they put this Tar Baby up. And he wanted to touch it and see what it was. But as he touched it, he got stuck to it. So in his mind, he thought, well, this is easy. I'll just unstuck myself. So he'll push his hand and he got stuck even more. Well, I'll just push my foot. I'll just push the other foot till what? He is completely trapped by something that is across his pathway. The trap worked. Satan's trap so often is working in each one of our lives that we're finding ourselves just going in a little bit, but then we find ourselves stuck. We start trying to push away more and more and more and more, finding ourselves totally consumed and totally taken over by his plan and what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Let's look at one of my favorite and most quoted scriptures I quote here in church, and that is this John 10.10. John 10.10, reading from the New Living Translation, and it says this, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Notice this, the enemy's purpose, Satan's purpose, is to steal, kill, to put tar babies in our way, to think that we can overcome, but only with our own struggles to get more attached to those things and more involved with those things. Notice, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. What? My life. The plan that God has for my life. Come on, the enemy wants to put me in a hole, to no longer believe that God is going to help me and bless my life, that I'm going to give up on the dreams and the plans of God for my life. Notice what it says there, the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. For many years I thought, well that's kind of the wrong way around, surely it should say steal, destroy and kill because there is nothing after death. After something is dead, then it's over. So surely it's the wrong way round. But then I was shown something. I believe the Lord showed me and that was it. No, it's completely the right way. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take from you that stealing. He wants to take from you the plan that God has for your life. But then what he wants to do is he wants you in your mind to think it is killed, it is over, that it is no more. That you can say, well, I thought that's what God, but now because of my wrong choices and my decisions, it's never going to happen. That's put to death the plan of God in your life. But then to destroy is even greater than that. Because why? The enemy wants to remind you each and every day the plan and the purpose God had for your life, that he stole from you, that he killed, and he said you could have been this and you could have done that. That's more destroying than just the death of the situation because you are living now what? You are living in the guilt. You are living in the pain of the actions of your past and now it's destroying your future because you've said, I guess God did have that for me, but now it's dead. I blew it. I made a mistake and now I will never be. That's destroying your future. Come on, come on. That's it. The enemy wants to crush and to annihilate us. Why? He hates us. He hates us. But read on. God says, but I have come. 
that you may have life. Come on, New Living Translation says, but my purpose, the enemy's purpose is that, but God says, here's my purpose, and God's purpose prevails. God's purpose prevails. I read the end of the book, we win in God. Come on, we win in God. And God says, my purpose, the reason I came is to give you life, but not just life, but life abundantly, or life in its fullest. Come on, God wants you to start living. Life is not to be lived in a hole or in a trap, but life is to be lived in the wholeness or the fullness of God that he has available for your life. Do you really think today that God came to this earth? He went all out by giving his life on a cross and then he rose from the dead just for you to barely make it through life. Do you think that God did all of that so today you can sit here still struggling with addictions and a marriage that feels like a trap in itself? Do you think God went through all that so you can just get through another week barely making it week in and week out? I'm here to tell you something today. Are you ready? Here it is. Are you ready? There is no way that can be the plan. There is no way that can be the plan that God has for your life. So you need to wake up today because we're preaching to you. We're preaching to you today and we're believing for God to release you today. Come on, God doesn't just save you for heaven. Did you know that? God hasn't just saved you so one day when you get to heaven you can be healed. One day when you get to heaven you can have victory and peace in your life. Come on, one day is not a paradise waiting to happen. One day is today. God saved us for today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And while here on earth, look how Jesus prayed to the Father. Jesus said these words in Matthew 6 and verse 10. He says these words, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. Come on, Miss Emma's pointing right now. I like it. As it is right now, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that prayer. That's part of the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Come on, God doesn't just want us to spend eternity with him after we die. God also wants us to be free from every trap, from every bondage, from every stronghold so we can live heaven here on earth that we can fulfill his plan and his specific purpose for us right here and right now. It's not one day, it's right now. This is your day. Look at Galatians 5 verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us Free. I love that. Stand fast. New Living Translation, I believe it is, says this. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ set you free for freedom. And read on. And I love this. There's a warning to each one of us. And it says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage or slavery. Come on, quit falling back into the same trap that I'll never be happy. I'll never be blessed. I can never be what God wants me to be because of my past. Come on, that's not part of the plan of God for your life. God said it is for freedom that you've been set free. To 
walk in newness of life. And he says, don't allow those things once again to enslave you. Don't allow the enemy to kind of conversate with you. You know when the enemy's lying? When he moves his lips. Don't have a conversation with him because he's a liar. You're not going to get truth out of him. And any truth you get is partial truth. And partial truth is a complete lie. Because if it's not the whole truth, it's not the truth. So help us, God. Don't be entangled again. Don't fall back. Wow, we can be free and find ourselves bound all over again. We can find ourselves falling back. Elvis Presley wrote a song to his wife at the time and said, We're caught in a trap and we can't get out. And the trap he was talking about was because of their popularity and fame. Graceland, their home had become their paradise. That was the only place they could have kind of a normal life because outside of it they were mauled. They were just attacked because of the people and the popularity. And he wrote that song to his wife and said, I'm so sorry we're caught in a trap and we can't get out. But aren't you glad that we've maybe been caught in a trap? But we're not like Elvis and Priscilla. That we can get out because he made it possible, fully possible for you and I. Come on, that cross bridged the gap between the trap and life that we can come through and we can experience the life of God. Today we're going to look at Gideon. I know ladies, you're going to be looking at Gideon in the next couple of weeks. And he's a great biblical character from whom we can learn so much. And I don't want to rain on your parade, but we're going to look at a portion of his story in his life today. We're going to talk about today when God rescued Gideon from his hole. When God took him out of the trap of his life. And what we read about Gideon and what we know mostly about Gideon, if you do, most people will know the fact that he did great exploits with 300 men. He defeated a numerous army. They didn't even have to fight. The enemy fought each other. They fought themselves. God produced a great victory. And we can say, wow, he must have been an incredible man. And he was, but his life didn't start that way. His life didn't start that way. And that's what we want to look at today. We want to look at the start of his life because his life is a lot like our lives. And we're going to discover this truth through Gideon today. If you're taking notes, this is something you need to write down. And that is this, God's plan is the key to unlocking our potential. God's plan is the key, not a key, because you can have a set of keys and they can be a key for a door. God's plan is the key. It's the only key that you need to unlock your potential, to unlock the plan and the purpose that God has. So you're no longer a hypocrite, not living the way that God says you need to live. We're tired of that. Tired of not living the way God says we should be living. Because you see, when you are living in a hole, your potential is in there with you. If you're trapped today, your potential is trapped alongside of you. And if Satan can keep you in a hole long enough, if Satan can keep you trapped long enough, then you'll begin to believe that you have no potential and you have no future and you'll just give up and you will quit fighting. They say that you can take a dog and you can put a chain on a dog. And after a period of time when that dog has run to catch the mailman or that dog has ran to attack someone biking past and then to come to the end of its chain and to be pulled off its feet flying in the air as it runs and it comes to the end. 
They say that after a period of time that that dog begins to know the boundary of how far it can go in its trap, if you want to put it that way. It begins to understand the limited but the freedom it has in its limitation. That eventually you can disconnect or take the chain off of that dog. And guess what? It only goes up to that same limit. And goes no further. Why? Because in its mind it's now been told that's only how far you can go. Come on, God came not only to break the chains of Satan off each one of us, but God came to take us into the freedom and the liberty. That limited freedom is not what God has for you. It's complete freedom because whom the Son sets free, the Word of God says, is free indeed. Completely, completely free. One of the greatest prisons you can ever be in is a prison without bars. Because in a prison with bars, you know the restrictions. You can't get beyond those. But we can be living. You can be in a prison right now in your mind, but yet be living what the world says is free. You can be out in the open, but living the greatest bondage that the enemy can have you in. And you've resigned yourself to that cell, to that hole, to that trap, and said there is no hope. And that's why today we're going to look at Judges chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn with us there. Judges chapter 6 and um, turn with us. And we're going to be just going through a passage or that entire passage of pretty much Judges chapter 6 going through that today. Are you there? If you're not there, you can follow on the screen with us today. Verse 11 is where we're going to begin. And it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah. And belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon just happened to be there. Don't you love this? That Gideon just happened to be there when the angel shot. No, I don't believe that. Gideon didn't just happen to be there. The angel knew Gideon was going to be there because things don't just happen by chance. We, we as children of God believe they happen by divine order. And by divine purpose, you were in a place you were in, not by chance, because God had you in that place so he could get your attention, so he could speak to you. You're here today by divine order, not by chance, because God wants to speak to your life. So while Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Quick background here. The children of Israel have done evil before God. They've disobeyed God, and now they have been delivered into the hands of one of their enemies, the Midianites. The story of Gideon and the children of Israel is very similar to the story of the bug's life. Anyone remember the bug's life? How the grasshoppers or the whatever they were would come and they would steal from the little ants and it was the ants' responsibility to build up a harvest and then when it was harvest time, they would come. That's what the Midianites did. They would leave the children of Israel alone the entire time so they could prepare and they could sow the seed and then when they reaped the seed and the harvest came, they would come and they would devour it and they would take everything from them. They would take their lambs. They would take everything of life from them. That was the oppression that they were under. So everything taken from them and now they're living in fear. They're living in caves. They're hiding out. They are paralyzed by this fear. And the Bible says finally they called on God. That's a good thing to do. They called on God. They cried out to God. God sends them a prophet. And the prophet begins to speak with them. And the prophet actually, if you would read it in the first few verses of Judges chapter 6, the prophet gives them an incredible word of deliverance. 
that God is going to deliver them, that they're not supposed to be bound, but God is going to deliver them. He gives them an incredible word of deliverance, but that deliverance hangs on one condition. And here's what the angel or the prophet says at the end of verse 10, the last part of verse 10, it says, but you have not obeyed the voice or my voice. You have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. So picture all of this. In other words, the angel comes and says to them in their oppression, in their fear, in the position where they're at, they cry out to God. The angel of God comes to them and reminds them that the plan of God is still available for them. He talks of the deliverance that is still available for them. But here's the thing. They had to get with God's system. They had to turn back to God. They had to repent. They had to give God their lives to follow him. And when they did that, God says, then I'll do my part. He spoke of the deliverance, but he says, but you haven't obeyed me. So the thought is, if you obey me, that will unlock the delivering, restoring power of God. And it's very sad to me that the very next verse, verse 11, that we just read a few moments ago, it's very sad to me that we don't read the next verse that they repented and each one of them cried out to God and said, God, we're sorry, would you come into our lives again? We want to live for you, we want to serve you. There is no indication that that happened in any shape or form, but yet life went on as it was. They still continue to live in bondage. They still continued to live oppressed. But I thank God for His grace. I thank God for the grace of God. Because He comes to a nation and they don't hear. And He doesn't wash His hands and says, I guess it's over. That God comes to a man. God comes to each one of us. Come on, what a picture of the grace of God. You see, God never gives up pursuing us. God is always pursuing us. Even after we're saved, God still wants to pursue us. Why? Because He doesn't want to just bring us to a place of salvation. He wants to bring us to a place of intimacy with Him. A relationship that grows and grows and grows. So the Word came to a nation, they didn't listen, but with the grace, the pursuing grace of God, He doesn't give up. And He comes to a man. So here's Gideon, where is he? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. The process of threshing wheat was as follows. First you had to lay all the wheat out. And they would beat it and they would hit it because the whole idea was to get the wheat to disconnect from the stalk or the stem on which it was on. Then what would happen was this, they would then take the wheat that would now had been disconnected from the stalk from that around and they would begin to throw it up in the air. And the idea was as they threw it up in the air, the wind would blow by and all the trash or the chaff, all that which was junk would be blown off to the side and it would be burnt around the perimeter and that which was good, that which was pure would be left in the middle. 
Now because of that, a threshing floor was something that was elevated. It was something that was built up, an elevated platform. Why? Because it needed to be completely out in the open so the wind with no obstacles and no distractions and no hindrances could blow over it. So get that picture in your mind. An elevated platform out in the open with the wind being able to wash or blow away all the trash. But the Bible says that Gideon wasn't threshing wheat on a threshing floor. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. A picture of a wine press is completely different because a wine press tended to be a hole in the ground. Yeah tended to be something down in the ground that they would pour the grapes in and then they would stand upon them and they would crush them and then the juice would run off of that. So picture, Gideon is in a hole. And while he's in a hole, he's throwing wheat into the air where there is no wind to assist the process. So what Gideon is doing, the first thing we see Gideon doing is he's doing a lot of hard work and really not getting anywhere. He's doing a whole lot of hard work. Come on, he's got the movement but with no significance. Man, that's like a lot of our lives. There's a lot of movement, there's a lot of things happening, but nothing of significance, nothing of purpose. Come on, it's like we're spinning our wheels, that we're just kind of gunning it, but we're not getting anywhere. We're going through the emotions, but we're not accomplishing anywhere. Man, that's a key point that you need to grab a hold of today, that he is in a place where he's working as hard as he can, but he's not really producing. He's not really getting anywhere. He's just exhausting himself. He's just wearing himself out. Too many of us as children of God are living in a hole. Come on, we're living in dead end streets. Maybe traffic can come in, but there ain't no traffic going out. Come on, we're living in a hole of fear. We are crippled by fear. We're living in a hole of regret. If only I hadn't married that person. If only I hadn't have done that. If only I hadn't have bought that house. Come on, we're living in a hole of guilt. Carrying that guilt. How I hope that no one would see the things I've done. Because if people know the things I've done, they'll never want to be around me. How can God love me knowing the things I've done? They're living in a hole of bondage. Absolute bondage, wanting to be free. Ask anyone who has an addictive problem, a problem with addiction. Ask them, do you want to be free? Of course they want to be free. No one wants to be bound, but they don't know how to be free. Because they're in a hole. They're going through all the motions, but digging themselves further and further and further. Our past can be the hole. Doing pointless activity without anything happening. But read on. The grace of God. Judges 6.12 And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Stop reading, look at me right now. I don't want you to miss this today. Where does God appear to Gideon at? In his hole. In his hole. In his trap. In his place of bondage, in his place of disarray, in his place of no hope. God appears to him right there. That's good news. Come on, I said that's good news. Because that means whatever hole you are in today, the Lord can still show up in the hole with you. 
that God loves you so much. I love that. Come on, I don't have to strive to get to where God is. Come on, God longs to come right where I am. Come on, in our mess, in my confusion, in my doubt, and in my fear, God says, move over. I want to come down there with you. But God hasn't come to stay. Come on, God hasn't come to stay. God's not just a God of of what? Sympathizing with us. Thank God we have a high priest who has moved and feels our pain. But God hasn't come in our hole to say, wow, this is pretty bad. Wow, I don't know what I'm going to do. He comes down and says, I know where you're at, but let me take you to where I am. Come on. He comes down into our hole because he wants to take us into the fullness of what he has. Come on, our plan has put us in a hole, but his plan wants to lift us out of that hole to set our feet on the rock, Christ Jesus, that once again we can see productivity in our lives. We can see future. We can see blessing. I want to tell you, God is your only hope. He's your only escape from that hole. So come on, they tell you that psychology, they tell you this person and counseling, and you can go to this program and that. Thank God for things like that, but there's no one that can set you free like our Jesus. He's the one that can be escaped from the hole and the trap. You're not going to get out of that hole without him. I said, you're not going to get out of that hole without him. Because we're not just talking about a temporary leaving of the hole. We're talking about a leaving that hole behind. And moving on and never finding ourselves go back there. Come on, I'm telling you today, your marriage will never stand a chance without him. Come on now, your finances won't stand a chance if you're not putting him first and you're not being a good steward with the rest. Your addictions, you'll never be free if you're trying to do it in your own strength. It's him that has to lift you. You'll never have complete comfort and strength. Has to be him. So note what he says, what else he says in verse 10 or 12. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You mighty hero, one translation says. The Lord is with you. Gideon's like looking around. He must be talking to someone else because Gideon knows who he is. But listen, God wasn't talking to who he is. God was talking about what he was going to become. And that's a big difference because you may be an addicted addict right now, but God can see you a set free child of God. Come on, you may be going through a divorce right now, but God can see you reconciled and your marriage back together. You may be broken right now, but God can see you put back and fixed and repaired with no cracks and no blemishes. God can do that. But Gideon's looking around. God saw the champion that Gideon was while all he could see was his weaknesses and his flaws. God sees the champion in you today. And God sees it while you're still in your mess. God doesn't say, get cleaned up and then I'll see a champion. God sees it in the mess. Oh man, I wish you'd help me preach this today. There's a whole other message here, maybe for another time. But note, Gideon gets almost angry with God. Verse 13, quickly, Gideon said, Oh my Lord, if you are with us, 
The thought is, if you really are who you say you are, if you are really with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles? He goes on to say, where is the deliverance? We remember what you did from Egypt, but where is it now? I mean, you just brought us into the wilderness once again to die. I mean, I thought you were supposed to be with us. But remember, God had told them that he was going to be their deliverance. But the problem was they hadn't obeyed God. They had quit following God. If they were to obey God, then everything would be turned around. Isn't it so hard to take personal responsibility for the reason why you're in a hole? So hard to take personal responsibility. Want to blame everyone else? Come on, it's my mum's fault. She didn't breastfeed me. Come on, get over that. Get over it. Get over it. I want to say suck it up, but that may be a little bit too close right there. But get over it. Get over it. Come on, so many times we pass the blame game, don't we? Because it's hard so many times to take responsibility that the fact, the reason I'm in a financial problem right now is because I have made stupid decisions with my money. I have refused to put God first and bring the tithe back to him and now I'm reaping. It's hard for us to say I've lost my job because I couldn't show up on time and I wasn't the best employee and I had a stinking attitude. Well, everyone else there was the same as me. In fact, I was better than everyone. No, take personal responsibility. Own it, own it, own it for the reason you're in a hole. But it's so much easier to blame everyone else. And you know what else you can do? In a situation like Gideon was in, you can begin to lose all hope. I've tried everything, but nothing's changed. I'm glad sometimes that the Lord almost ignores our stupidity. I'm so glad that God just kind of moves on and says, "Um, where was I again? Are are you finished? Um, Where was I again? And God says this to him in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, it's almost like God kind of turned away while he was kind of grumbling and complaining. God turns to him again and says, you go in this might of yours. It's another way to say what he already said. God called him a mighty warrior. God's now saying, now you need to go in this might of yours. You're a mighty warrior. God's just confirming to him in another way what he has already said. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In other words, God is saying, do I not have a plan for your life? Remember where we started today, Proverbs 19.21? God has a prevailing plan, a purposeful plan that's going to sustain. We can have plans, but our plans don't take us to the places where God's plans will take us. And here's Gideon's second reply, verse 15. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Because indeed my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And it doesn't get much lower than that. And I don't want to be redundant. And I know we've said this many times throughout this series. And you're going to hear it many times again. But I am so glad, look at this, that God doesn't see us for who we are. But God sees us for what we can be. What we can be. Because in our own thinking, we would have overlooked ourselves and said, God, you can never use us. Maybe right now you're saying that. But God's in the hole with you. Why? Because he wants to use you. He wants to touch your life. Verse 16, And the Lord said to Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You see, God was saying to Gideon as he was in his hole, If you can come with me, you'll be a mighty warrior. But listen, you're not a mighty warrior if you're going to stay hiding in this hole. God says you can be today. 
But I don't want to live on what I can be. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't want to talk about what hopefully I will be. I want to begin to be what God wants me to be. I don't want to be like the fairy tale, someday my prince will come, and hoping for one day things to change. I want my change to be today. I want to begin to see breakthroughs and miracles happen right now in my life. And I'm not going to be a mighty warrior while I'm still in the hole. I'm a mighty warrior when I begin to believe God and understand who I am and what he sees in me. And then I step out into that and I begin to become a team with God. Because God's plan looks a whole lot better than your plan. Hello? It's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to begin to live again. Or maybe for some of you to live for the first time. But again... You've got to love God. God doesn't bring Gideon out of a hole to a comfortable place. Come on, he's bringing Gideon out of that hole to do something really big that will totally intimidate you and maybe even scare you. But what's the thought? I am with you. Oh, but I can never be free because if I'm going to be free, then this, that. I, I don't know how that can ever happen. Come on. God's taken you out of that place and it's intimidating where he's taken you. It's scary where you've maybe never been before. But God says you don't have to worry because when you walk through the fire, I'll be there. When you go through the water, you won't be drowned. You won't be burnt because I, the Lord, I'm going to be with you. But you see, the whole thought of this whole story is this. Gideon couldn't do what God called him to do without God. And that's the same for our lives. We cannot live the plan and purpose that God has for our lives without God. Come on, we can't be the husband our wives need, men, without God. We can't be the parent our children needs without God. We cannot be the person that God intends us to be without God. There are going to be many challenges still ahead. And we read for Gideon, what we read for Gideon is just the beginning But now he's living out the plan of God for his life and not his own deadbeat plan. You've got to get off your butt and do something. You're a mighty man of valor, but. Come on, you can do this, but. We want to question, we want to grumble and complain. Come on, it's time for us to get off our butts and start to do something. Come on, stop making excuses because trust me, God doesn't look at our excuse and say, oh, I see, I didn't realize you had that problem. I forgot that one. You're right, you need to stay in that hole. Come on, instead, God says to Gideon, I can do anything. Come on, anything is possible for me. Why? not come along from the ride. Come on, God told Gideon, I built an interstate through the Red Sea and I took three million people through it. God said, I opened the blinded eyes. Come on, I healed the lame. God says, I even turned a funeral procession into a family reunion. I want you to know we can do it. Together we can make it. Together we can fulfill the plan and the purpose I have. Come on, I'm tired of people being a hypocrite, living something different to God's word, what he says you are. Come on, you're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're the lender and not the borrower. Quit living in a hole and get up and be what God wants you to be. Well, I can't do it. That's okay. He says you don't have to do it on your own. He says, I'll be with you. I'll go before you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. Come on, shout in the house. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, get out that 
hole. Get out that hole. Devil, you're a liar. Come on, devil, you're a thief. God's got a plan for my life. God's got a wife for me. God's got children for me. God's got a future for me. Take a seat today. Praise God. Aren't you glad God doesn't say I'm intimidated by your excuses? Come on, aren't you glad today? He's not intimidated by your excuses. He says, just get out of that hole. Get out of that. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and get out of that hole because you're miserable and depressed. That's why no one wants to be around you. You know that? Get up. Change yourself. Shake yourself off. And God says, let's together do something supernatural. Come on, he works with your natural and he puts on the supernatural. Be a team with God. Get out. Get out. Get out. That's not your plan and destiny. It's a trap. But you can escape and live in freedom. Come on, quit living in your past. Come on, you know your past, all all your past is, is a testimony of the goodness of God. Your past needs to only be a testimony. I was this way, but God set me free. Come on, your past doesn't need to be a place you still live. It's a reference point of where you were, but where God is now taking you. Come on, get beyond the unforgiveness. Come on, release that. Come on, don't let unforgiveness become a trap in your life. Don't let that be a hole. Come on, kill that pride. What are other people going to think? What are other people going to say? Who cares? You're in the hole, not them. Kill that pride. What about the hurts? You've got to let it go because the only way there can be healing is if you leave the wound to heal. And you come to the healer that completely heals that. Come on, get out of the hole of disappointment. Get out of the hole of mistakes. Get out of the hole of stupidity. If you stay there, you're not going to succeed. I want to pray for you in a few moments, but what a great journey we've been on. We've traveled through this month looking at from the beginning, Pete brought an incredible message about looking under the surface at hypocrisy and the undercurrent it wants to be pulling your life under. My dad preached a message, don't give up. Encouraging each one of you to keep on going. Come on, we've talked about stop fighting God. The hands that want to bless you are the hands that we hold in resistance. Just give up fighting and start holding on for your blessing. Come on, we've talked about not living in isolation at by yourself. Too many of us are living at by yourself. Come on, all by our own. And God wants us to live free. He wants us to be in a family, a community that we can build together. Come on, God wants us to live life 24-7. He's tired of us just being a Sunday Christian, coming in here and praising God. And then God only knows what you're doing when you step out of there. He wants us to be an example, as we heard Wednesday night, in our word, in our actions, in our conduct, in our faith, in our spirit, in everything we are. And now, what does he want us to do? Get up out of the heart. Stop allowing your past to write the story of your future. Stop being a hypocrite from whom God says you are. Line up who you are with who God says you are so you can be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. Yes, hypocrisy is a tough fight because it always wants to rear its ugly head and surface and remind you of those things. But come on, now we've exposed it. Now we've put it out into the light. We are believing right now that we're seeing it's a dead end street and that's not what God has for my life. Come on, 
that's not the plan and the purpose God has. Come on, if you're ready to get out of that hole today, come on, get up on your feet right now. Come on, right now, it's freedom time right now. It's freedom time right now. Come on, get out of that hole, whatever it may be today. Come on, we're breaking free today. Come on, there's a breakout today. Come on, the alarms are sounding outside. There's been a jail bust in the house today because we're getting out of that hole. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Savior, I just want